Welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. I have a special guest, Charles Cologne. He has the show called The Never Ending Struggle that not many people know about, and that's why I'm going to have him on because he's a gem in the Catholic Church. He's a layman who knows history like the back of his hand. So we're going to take him in second, third, and fourth segment, so don't miss that. Also, I've got some, I, I think it's good news. I mean, what? And we're going to talk about this. Uh, Matt Walsh's What is a Woman? It may be this watershed moment because we're dealing with 170 million people that have seen it on Twitter. And when I tell you the story, you're going to be blown away. Also, this is uh, news that people need to know and they don't hear it enough, but statistics now have come out. 80% of the children that get gender surgery for minors uh, would not decide to still have the surgery if you just let them grow up. I knew there was a high percentage, but now statistically we have that. So that's actually good news. I mean, chemically castrating your son. What? That sounds horrible. Well, I said it that way because that's what it is. All right, more good news. Ohio, the attorney general says no legal right for gender-confused students to use opposite-sex bathrooms. Boy, they got a common, they got a PhD in common sense there in Ohio. And in Texas, the governor, Greg Abbott, Catholic, Signs law banning trans drugs surgeries for children. So basically he's saying, I'm not going to let you castrate your son or your, or your daughter uh, with chemicals. And it's, I mean, it's amazing that we have to get that bad. But that's what the government's doing right now. So we have also uh, St. Boniface's feast day, and his mission was to Germany. And boy, I call on St. Boniface now because the German church is about ready to break away from the Catholic Church, which would be a sad day. But, you know, um, they're doing things that aren't Catholic. So we need to pray for that. Also, when Charles Cologne comes on, we're going to talk about the history of the popes and talk about, we've been here before, where we have had popes that weren't really articulating the Catholic faith. Matter of fact, some of them were, uh, you know, we have to make this distinction between impeccability and infallibility. Okay, and we'll make that distinction later in the show. So it's a full show for us. So before I long, I want to bring in some soul food. So let's bring in the gospel for today. Uh, and the gospel is Mark chapter 12. It's a parable. I think we've all heard it over our lifetime, but I want to give a little commentary from the Catholic uh, RSV Scott Hahn commentary. The gospel, John, uh, Mark chapter 12, verse 1 to 12. Jesus began to speak to the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders in parables. A man planted a vineyard, put a hedge around it, dug a wine press, and built a tower. Then he leased it to tenant farmers and left on a journey. At the proper time, he sent the servant to the tenants to obtain from them some of the produce of the vineyard. But they seized him, beat him, and sent him away empty-handed. Again, he sent them another servant, and that one they beat over the head and treated shamefully. He sent yet another whom they killed. So too, many others. Some they beat, others they killed. He had one other to send, his beloved son. He sent him to them last of all, thinking, they will respect my son, But those tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, 
and inheritance will be the inheritance will be ours. So they seized him and killed him, threw him out of the vineyard. What then will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come, put the tenants to death, and give the vineyard to others. Have you not read this scripture passage? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. By the Lord has this been done, and it is wonderful in our eyes. They were seeking to arrest him, Jesus, but they feared the crowd, for they realized that he had addressed the parable to them. So they left him and went away. Our Lord really speaks to and Oh my gosh, that really nailed him. They were like, oh brother, he's talking about us. Well, think about this. The parable of the wicked tenants narrates the whole history of Israel. The story stresses that God has been patient with his wayward people throughout the ages. The vineyard represents Israel dwelling in the walled city of Jerusalem. The tower is the temple. And the tenants are Israel's leaders stationed in the city. The servants are Old Testament prophets repeatedly sent by God to call for repentance. <laughs> and that's what we're calling right now, repentance. Many prophets were abused and killed. God eventually sent Jesus as his beloved son, whom they also killed. By adding the detail that the son is thrust out of the vineyard, Jesus predicted his crucifixion outside the city walls of Jerusalem. Isn't that interesting? And here we are right now. The same thing is happening. Got a sinful culture, and we're calling people for repentance. And what's happening? They're going to kill us. I mean, literally, they don't like what we're doing. But we have to speak up for the truth, and that's why here at VMPR, Virgin Most Powerful Radio, all of our shows are geared to help you know the truth because that's what sets us free. And when Charles Cologne comes on this next segment, you're going to hear some history saying, we've been here before, fellas. Wake up. All right, let's, uh, let's bring the smartest guy into the room. Right now. Oh, Sheena Head. And this is very appropriate because, you know, Bishop Sheen said, if we do not live as we think, we soon begin to think as we live. Think about that. <clears throat> I'm five foot five, but I think I'm, well, I'm seven foot five. No, you're not. Reality says you're five five. But we're living in a world, people say, well, no, I'm a man, I know that, but I think I want to be a woman, so I'm a woman. See, just thinking that you want to be somebody or do something, that doesn't create you being, it doesn't create you. God created you man or woman. End of story. So Bishop Sheen's point is, if we do not live as we think, we soon begin to think as we live. And that's a, a, a great point because in our culture, again, that's one of the problems we have right now. People think that they can change reality by just thinking, saying, well, in my, I have my truth, you have your truth. Well, no. There's one truth, it's Jesus Christ. And we need to proclaim that boldly. Now, not this Friday, but next Friday, we're going to have thousands of people 
at Dodger Stadium proclaiming that marriage is between a man and a woman and that homosexuality offends God and that we want to have a biblical worldview and we want to repent and believe in the gospel. Now, the news is Bishop Strickland is going to join us. Yes. I, I mean, what? Yeah, Bishop Strickland's coming out and he is going to lead us. We're working on getting a mass at the cathedral and I hope we have tens of thousands of people coming to protest and show our belief in a world biblical view that marriage is between a man and a woman and anti-Catholicism that this group, the so-called Sisters of Perpetual Indulgences, they're not sisters, they're men, homosexual men, dressing up as nuns. It's a fake, okay? They're, they're phonies. And so this is what we're up against. Now, we can either be quiet and we can just say nothing. And I think a lot of people would, even in high officials in the church, would say, don't, don't confront these people. You, you know, wouldn't be good. Well, we want to lovingly confront them. We're not here to argue and have, you know, some kind of altercation. No, we're here to prayerfully show them the truth. And I remember 40 years ago when I was doing this with the pro-life movement and people said, oh, you can't, you can't do these sit-ins at the abortion clinic. You're breaking the law. Well, if somebody's being killed, what kind of charity is that to say, well, go ahead and kill them? So we had to make, we had to put our bodies on the line and we get arrested for that. I got arrested. That was 1988 or 87. So why do I do that? Because I want to stand for the truth. That's what we're doing here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. When I come back from the break, Charles Cologne, longtime friend, I knew him when he was a youngster. He grew up in Southern California, and we asked him to do a show called The Never Ending Struggle. And um, when you um, look at his background, his background is so rich in history that I think one of the challenges in the church is we've had amnesia meaning we've forgotten our past. And I think when we see the past in the 2,000-year history of the Catholic Church, you know, we see what's going on today, and we go, ah, been there, done that, let's get down on our knees, make reparation. And that's what we're doing at Dodger Stadium, and just what we do, we see sacrilegious liturgies, because we're not in management, we're in sales. But we can live holy lives. Because as the canon law says, the last canon says that everything we do is for one purpose. What's that? To be good stewards of the earth? No. To recycle? No. To live holy lives for the salvation of souls so that we could be with God for all eternity. As I get into my mid-60s, I'm looking at my life and going, this is short compared to eternity. So when we come back from the break, we'll have Charles Cologne. He is the man that does the never-ending struggle here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I see the time clock, but I think... We're gonna get. We're gonna have to take a break. Do I have another minute? All right. We're gonna keep going here. I wasn't. The time clock kind of froze on me. All right. So Charles Cologne, uh, expert in uh, history of the Catholic Church and also in secular world too. I think he he's probably one of the smartest guys I know when it comes to history. And he acts like he was there, you know, in the 12th century. Couldn't be, but he he's read enough history to tell the stories and I love his storytelling he's a great storyteller and that's the best way to communicate the faith our Lord did it and that's what we try to do here at Virgin 
Coast Powerful Radio. Stay with us. You won't want to miss Charles Cologne from the never-ending struggle on Virgin Most Powerful. We're going to interview him about history and the Catholic Church. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Charles Cologne, welcome. You're filling in for my brother, Jesse. How are you, my friend? Wonderful. Great to be back. Great to be here. Great to be uh, sort of in Southern California by proxy. That's right, by proxy. And you grew up in Southern California. I've known you at least 40 years as a young young teenager and uh, from Catholic Treasures. We've had a great, what I call a great ride for our lifetime. We're in our 60s now, and it's like, wow, what happened? It went by so quick. And to think, Charles, if I would have known 40 years ago that we're going to be talking on the radio, you know, 40 years from now about our Catholic faith, I would have said, I don't think so. I don't know. What, what have you been drinking or so? I would probably accuse you of something. But I'm glad you're here. And, and I want to just say this. Uh, you're, you do a weekly show for us called The Never Ending Struggle, and you take sections of history of the church, and you also bring in the cultural, the secular history— and see how they intertwine. And I think that's yes. fascinating, but I don't think people know it's there. So, folks, after this interview, check us out by going to vmpr.org and check out all of Charles' shows. But, Charles, before we get into the topic today, I want to set the stage and play a little clip. First of all, Matt Walsh's move, a little documentary on what is a woman may be this watershed moment in our culture, cultural war that we're up against because now it's out of 170 million views, there's only 331 million people in our country that have viewed this uh, video of Matt Walsh. And uh, it seems that maybe people are starting to realize they have to say, wait a minute, I'm not going to continue to lie to myself and say, you know, now that someone wants to be a woman and they're a man, they can just switch like I switch, you know, my deodorants. No, it doesn't work that way. But... Before we do that, I wanted to play a clip, and this ties right into the Matt Walsh's numbers, and this is customers fleeing woke companies as new conservative marketplace blossoms. Now, I think that between these two stories, maybe we're on to something. So let's have Mr. Engineer play the four-minute clip, and then I want commentary on it. Go woke, go broke. Just ask Target and Anheuser-Busch. Target lost 9 $0.3 billion in market value this week after customers boycotted their Pride Month merchandise. And Anheuser-Busch has lost $15.7 billion after partnering with trans influencer Dylan Mulvaney. Now, nearly a million Americans are flocking to a new marketplace. It's called Public Square, and it's making it easier for conservatives to buy from 50,000 companies that share their values. Joining us now with more is Public Square CEO Michael Seifert. Michael, it's great to see you this morning. We've had a conversation here on the show about Public Square in the past. And I know that I got a call this week from Michael from a friend of mine saying, look, man, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's tennis shoes. I don't know what it is, but there's an opportunity here. There's an optimistic opportunity for companies and individuals, for entrepreneurs that are ready to reflect or at least not offend American values. Well, you're absolutely right. And not only is there a lot of excitement from obviously millions of consumers right now because they feel like there are hopeful alternatives to many of their favorite brands, but the entrepreneurs themselves are recognizing. We've had thousands of them join the platform this week and say, 
There is an unaddressed market here. If you are someone in this country who has more family values, loves your country, loves the Constitution and the values that it protects, there are businesses that would love to reach you. And these businesses are recognizing that that community and that trust that could be implemented in these transactions is a really strong desire in the marketplace. And in turn, we are witnessing this true patriotic economy grow in a massive way that I think is taking everyone by surprise and surpassing all expectations. Mm -hmm. It's really exciting. Michael, I don't know if you what, what you might use to quantify this, but do you have any metric? I mean, downloads of the app, businesses joining the public square, consumers, customers going to you, which you guys are essentially like a Yelp review, in essence, for businesses that would share your values. I hope I have that characterization correct. Do you have anything that reflects in the last couple of weeks or recently you've seen this uptick in, in, in growth from downloads or customers or, or from businesses? Yeah, well, we definitely do. In fact, it's pretty exciting. This week, in response to the Target debacle, because parents especially are so frustrated that this major retail giant is indoctrinating the next generation away from truth and from their family's values, in response to that, we actually at Public Square have for 72 hours been ranked in the top five apps on the entire app store. Not only that, we've been the number two shopping app on the entire app store for this entire week mm. ahead of Target. Target's ranked number 12. Amazon's ranked number four. So it's been pretty incredible to witness the response. We've had hundreds of thousands of new consumer members join the platform, thousands of businesses, and the community has continued to blossom. The other thing I'll say too, Will, is that people are recognizing that whether you're looking for household cleaning supplies or a new pair of pants, you should be able to do that with companies that will give you a sense of satisfaction knowing mm -hmm. that you're not funding your opposition and instead you're spending money with people that share your worldview and want the same hopeful what is future that? for the country that you do. What is that? Really quickly, Mike, on the way out. What is that? What is it that we share? Is it our values? Is it patriotism? What is it conservatism? What is Public Square in terms of sharing my values if you were telling me, hey, this is where you should come, Public Square? Yeah, great question. So if you go to publicsq.com, you'll see right away that we are a marketplace that's pro-life, pro-family, and pro-freedom. If you love our country, our constitution, and the values that that wonderful document protects, you're going to love this marketplace. This is far deeper than politics. This is principled, right. and we're having a blast creating America's marketplace. All right, there's a definite demand, definite need. Uh, so it's great to hear more about Public Square. Thank you for your time this morning, Michael. Wow. Thank you. You know, Charles, when I hear what went on with Matt Walsh's movie, What is a Woman? <laughs> and then I see this, uh, you know, um, so, um, Public Square and how they're like number two rated on, you know, doing sales and people are voting with their pocketbook. I, I've been wanting to see this for the last 40 years of my life. I, I didn't know this was going to happen. Are you surprised by this, Charles? Oh, maybe I lost him. Okay. Charles, are you surprised by what you saw? I'm still here. Okay. I'm still here. Are you surprised by what you just heard? No, not at all. Why not that? Because I was. I, I'm not surprised because uh, the technology exists now. Uh, the irony you've got today yep. is that uh, the irony is simply that no one is quite as trapped with the local store as they were when you and I were young. Yeah. I mean, if this had happened, I mean, there, there are reasons why it didn't. But if all this drivel had happened 40 years ago, yeah. we'd be pretty stuck. We'd be stuck with what the L.A. Times told us. We'd right. be stuck with what the three networks told us. Sure. 
we'd be stuck with what May Company and uh, <laughs> really dating us uh, and Whitefront yeah. <laughs> would have uh, <laughs> would have had to sell us. Yes. Well, those days are gone, and you see the irony about technological advance is that it's always filled with a potential for good and ill. Exactly. And usually both come out of it. Oh yeah. So you could point, uh, and this again is a, is a thing people have done throughout history. You could point at any uh, any technological breakthrough and say this terrible stuff happened because of it. Mm-hmm. And you're right. And you could say, well, look at all the wonderful stuff that came out. And you're right. They both did. Yep. And so the same uh, technology, which allows us to cover uh, any household in the, in the world that want it with all kinds of porn. Yes. Can also put out all sorts of incredible information you didn't have access to before. Right. And can, in the end, do an end run around uh, merchants who uh, have committed themselves to our ruin. And well said. So, well said. Yeah. So now let me ask you this, Charles. We we think of our own time, and most people think, "Oh man, we're in a really extraordinary time of life, a history, because you know there's so much chaos going on in the world and in the church." But when you see history from the perspective of two thousand years, I made a joke. I said, "You know, we've been here, done that. You know, we've had situations that have been really bad." And we pulled out of it because our Lord told us in the scriptures that the church will be with us forever for you know the end of time. And so I ask you, I talked to you about a, a event with a with a, one of our popes where I joke about it. He got thrown into the Rhine. He got dug up. And people have heard something about that story. But can you give us a little bit more details? And I know we're going to be coming to a quick break. To, to I just realized the time. But I, I want to give you time to kind of orchestrate what was going on at that time and what was the Pope doing? And um, yeah, because I think it gives us a perspective on this uh, of 2000 years. And then it makes us realize that, you know, our time, yes, it's, it's tough, but we've, we've been here before. And I think that uh, gives us the um, attitude that we need to pray, make reparation, uh, expiation, our prayers, live holy lives. And that's our answer and not get, uh, so uh, depressed because we see evil going on even in our church. And I mean, I said the word evil. Yeah, there's a lot of, we see it with the sexual uh, problems in the Catholic Church, and we had to acknowledge that. And we have other problems that are uh, people dressed as priests saying things that are not Catholic. We have to make reparation for that. But this has happened before. So when we come back from the break, and one more quick note before you answer that after the break, Charles, give us a little summary in the next minute and a half about what you do each week on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Well, basically what I do is I take uh, either a particular episode or a series of episodes, sometimes a period. The last few weeks I've been uh, enjoying myself by going through American uh, history, recent history, uh, and look at how the church has dealt with various problems and difficulties, yeah. triumphs and tragedies, if you like. Yes. Um, and they they have a lot to tell us. As I say, the past few weeks, we've been dealing with America in the late 20th century, decade by decade. If you tune in uh, this coming week, I think we'll be doing 1998 to 19 uh, or to 2008. Mm-hmm. So we're we're coming close to the present time. Yes, uh, uh, and, and people can go to vmpr.com. 
org and and actually download the app and listen to Charles's shows. And then, like I said, it's at your convenience. He does it once a week, but to you, you can you can binge on more more than one program at a time, midnight, whatever time you you want to play it. You can do that. But I tell you one thing: you'll learn, and that is your history. And I think Charles, maybe I'm wrong, but I think many of us have had amnesia. We've never we've kind of forgotten the past, and we think of things only in what we've experienced in our lifetime. Is that a problem that's happened before in mankind? Of course. It's it's a continuing problem because we don't change. Yeah, there you go. There you go. All right, I hear the bumper music. When we come back, we'll talk with Charles Cologne about the history um, regarding some of the popes and some of the times where things got really, really bad, where they actually dug up a pope, put him on, on trial, and wait to hear what they did with him. And why? That's what we're going to find out. What was going on at that time? Stay with us, family. We'll be right back after a quick break. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. Charles Cologne, the producer of the show called <clears throat> Never Ending Struggle on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I want to tell everybody to put their seatbelts on because I'm going to quote from Pope Pius X. And then this quote, keep that in mind with every vigor of Christ, okay? The Pope back 100 years ago said this, How I tremble to think that souls can be punished for all eternity on the account of the negligence of their pastor. That innocent people can be led from the path of truth because of the words of the inspired text were never preached to them. That the spirit of the world, and of our time especially, should be poured into ill-instructed minds for want of a firm hand to check its tide. Here comes the punchline. He says, I have a sacred duty to defend the truth openly, for God will ask me to render an account for all those souls who have strayed into the way of perdition. Charles, I say that, I give that quote from the Holy Father because we've had good popes and we've had bad popes in the 2,000 years history. And I'd like you to, I'm going to sit down and listen to a, a lecture, really, a little, give us, a, give us the lowdown on the history of the popes and one pope in particular. Give us a detailed story of what happened to that Holy Father and why, what were the circumstances, because I think it'll shed light on our culture for today. I turn it over to you, my friend. Well, thanks. Uh, basically, it's a story that most people have heard a little bit about. Mm -hmm. And that's the horrible tale of one pope having his predecessor pulled out of his tomb, oh. sat up in a chair, rotting and stinking, yes, uh, and having a trial for him. Yes. Now, people have heard of that because, it's, number one, it's very grotesque. Yes. And number two, uh, of course, our non-Catholic friends love throwing the story at us. But actually, it's a worse story than they realize. Okay. And I'll explain why. Mm -hmm. Basically, you remember that in 800, Charlemagne had been crowned emperor of the, uh, of the whole Roman Empire by uh, Pope St. Leo III. Mm -hmm. And for the first half century or so of the 800s, uh, the whole Roman emperors had maintained more or less order around Rome. But the empire began to break up. Feudalism uh, came into came into play. Mm -hmm. uh, the Carolingian Renaissance, as it was called, ebbed. 
and Rome became really torn by factions uh, led by different patrician families who couldn't stand each other. And as you might guess, the Bishop of Rome, who was uh, at that time nominally the uh, temporal leader of the city and the area around it, the papacy, the office, was quite the prize for these different families as they contended. Well, one set was able to get their man elected, and his name was Pope Formosus. Now, he had been bishop of another city, and he was brought into Rome to be pope. Now, this is an important thing to realize because he was the first pope ever to be brought in from another city Hmm. to be pope. It had never been done before. Wow. The popes had always been elected by the the, uh, clergy and people of the city of Rome or appointed by uh, first the Byzantine and then the Holy Roman Empress or both. Uh, And that was how you got popes. But on this particular occasion, uh, not for whatever reason, the dominant family brought in uh, talent with great expense from out of town, (laughs) and he was made Pope, Pope Formosus. Well, he was a fairly devout individual, but he was the enemy of what became, shortly, the most powerful uh, family in town. And when he died, they were able to get their man in, a fellow called Stephen VI, or Seventh, depending on how you count them, but we'll say Stephen VI. Well, Stephen VI was the one who decided to have a trial because his predecessor had been such an enemy to his sponsors that uh, they they wanted it proved that because they'd had a man of their own they had wanted to put in, and he didn't get it, Formosus did. So they wanted to prove that Formosus had never been uh, validly elected pope. So, the trial that you've heard about. Mm -hmm. So they have the trial, and disgusting as the circumstances were, it was actually the judgment that was the worst part. Mm -hmm. Because Stephen VI ruled that Formosus, because he had been bishop of another city, had never been validly pope. Wow, now that's fascinating. Yeah. Now, you know, to all of our city of Acantus friends and all that, Uh, guess what? So uh, he said, Formosus had never been Pope. Now that was bad enough. And of course would give us trouble today. But his rationale based on that judgment was much worse. Hmm. He declared that because he had never been validly Pope, none of his sacramental ministrations, including his ordinations of priests and consecrations of bishops, had been valid. Oh, my God. The consequences of that. Oh, Horrendous. Yeah. It was a heretical judgment. Yeah. Because, of course, I mean, even if he hadn't been valid pope, that doesn't affect the sacraments. Right. Not one iota. Right. So Stephen VI enunciated heresy. In this judgment. Now, infallibility isn't touched because infallibility does not protect judicial judgments. Right. So if it if it did, it would be a nicer, kinder, <laughs> lovelier world. That's funny. So uh, what should happen but that uh, all of the priests and bishops he made were deposed. So Stephen VI reigns for a bit and then he dies. And his successor says, no, 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 just kidding. None of that was true. <laughs> oh, and by the way, when they, uh, when they, uh, the Formosus had his pontifical robes stripped off him. 
the corpse that is. Yeah, that right. The the only one they couldn't take off was, was his hair shirt, which had melded into his flesh. Oh, so they had to leave that on when they dumped him in the Tiber. Yeah. So anyway, um, so Stephen the Sixth successor says, "No, no, no, just kidding, just kidding, not true." All those priests and bishops are, of course, validly priests and bishops, and you know they were given jobs to do and so on. And then a few more popes went by. Well. The other side got in again with a man called Sergius III. He was a disciple of Stephen VI. <laughs> mm -hmm. And he said, no, 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 just kidding, just kidding. Stephen VI was right. Formosus was never a valid pope, and none of his judgment, none of his uh, sacramental ministrations were valid. Wow. Now, see, by that time, a large number of the bishops that Formosus had made had consecrated bishops and ordained priests. Of course, and time is going, marches on. Of course it does. So all these guys got deposed. Yes. That's incredible. And it, it was such a problem. Yeah. And then Sergius III died. Yeah. And his successor said, no, 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 just kidding. <laughs> uh, none of it's true. And you can, you know, you can all go back. Show us over. Nothing to see here. Move along. You've all got homes to live in. Go away now. <laughs> and so they did. But the, uh, the, the, the point of that story, yes. and there is one. Yes is that at times God allows the papal throne to be occupied by men you have to say, I mean, if you're to be objective and if there's such a thing as objective reality, yeah. they were evil. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to name names like, oh, I don't know, Julius III or John the Twelfth or Benedict the Ninth. Right. But they we were had a few. We've had a few. And in fact, in the nine hundreds we had almost a century of them. Wow. We call that the Iron Age of the church, or in deference to the way they were selected, the pornocracy. And, and Charles, if I could just jump in and say, uh, I know that lots of people, um, when we are here, we see confusion, confusion in the Catholic Church today from the top down, just really oh. not being clear on teachings, or if not, just opposing what perennial teachings are. We have bishops who uh, are saying there's no perennial teaching there's no deposit of faith anymore and you just scratch your head and you go what but my point to you is is what we need to do is not be disillusioned by them because as i tell everybody this crucifix this is who we worship jesus christ not the pope not the bishops not your local priest they can do what they do but the point of it is it all has to be uh evaluated in light of what the church's perennial and deposit of faith teachings are. And so I tell people, don't be disillusioned by what's going on in the church. Make reparation, pray for the Pope, pray for your leaders in your church, because we've had bad popes before. We've had bad bishops, bad priests, but we have to stay focused uh, not on the person, but on the person of Jesus Christ. Am I onto something, Jane, uh, Charles? Well, I agree with you. I mean, it's an old joke that the church is not the mystical body of the Pope. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and I'm sure that's true. The um, the thing we have to bear in mind is that while, in a certain sense, our salvation is corporate in the sense we need the sacraments, we need yeah. the church, et cetera, et cetera, yes. our judgments are individual. That's a good point. Great point. And well, it's extremely important because if I go up before the judge uh, at my death and he says, well, why were you an adulterer or, you know, whatever, not that I've been an adulterer, but pulling a sin out of a hat. Yeah. Um, why'd you do that? 
I better not give us a response. Well, the Pope was terrible. Yeah, it doesn't cut it. Nope. No, not in the slightest. Now, it is true, as various saints have said, that uh, no prelate goes to hell alone. Right. They always have a train of the uh, the souls that have done their best to ruin. Right. But we don't really want to follow in that train. And the thing, too, to bear in mind is that it's easy to be Catholic when everything's going great. That's easy. Yeah. Just like it's it's easy to be a uh, a loyal subject of your king or a loyal citizen of your country when there's peace and uh, you know everything's going nicely. But that's not where the true worth of your citizenship, your patriotism, comes. Well said, Charles. I have to say, when we take this break, I want to get back into uh, the struggles that we all have. Uh, in our faith when we see scandal? And what's the best approach? I know that in uh, 1997, I remember Bishop Foley, Cardinal Foley in Rome said, one of the biggest scandals, our biggest problem uh, in the church is that we have scandals in the church. It undermines the evangelization of the church. And I get no. that. I really do, because people see, you know, like non-Catholic friends, when I tell them about what we actually teach, they look at me and they say, well, I don't hear that. Uh, from your officials in your church, what's what's going on here? And I said, well, that's a great point. Let's talk about it. That I, so I want to ask, ask you from the historical perspective, because you do this show once a week, uh, the never-ending struggle here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio, once a week here. People can get it by going to vmpr.org. Get the app if you're listening on the radio. Get our free app. You can listen to all of our shows. But I really want you to understand from a perspective of history, because I really think that makes us see what really is going on in our culture, that it's not like, oh, the end of the world. I mean, we've we've been here before where things are really struggling in our church, and somehow, you know, God provides uh, the saints that are come, that are raised up to renew the church. It seems like every 500 years, the church goes through a period of crisis. Bishop Sheen talked about that years ago in his books. And I think, to me, the crisis right now is who is Jesus Christ still? I don't think the people who are progressive, or I call liberals in our church, the ones that are heterodox, I'll use a theological term, I don't think they know who Jesus Christ really is because they say things like, well, I know what Romans says about homosexuality. Father James Martin says, the Bible's wrong. Well, I'm here to say, excuse me, I have all respect for you as a priest, but you're wrong. You got to see the church's teaching in light of 2,000 years, not come up with new ideas like you're a four, you're a car dealership and you're trying to sell me a new new car. It doesn't work that way. Charles Cologne, I'm too blessed to be stressed. I'm too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, I'd be a billionaire because I'm not looking at the world, the devil, and the flesh. I'm looking at Jesus Christ, who is my Savior and who I know is present in the Blessed Sacrament. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back indeed. I have Charles Cologne, my good friend here. He has a radio show here at Virgin Most Powerful called The Never-Ending Struggle. His next series, is his next talk, or actually his next radio show, is from 1978 to 1988, A New Dawn. And boy, I lived through that as an adult, and I can't wait to hear that one because 
as as you know, St. John Paul II was brought into the papacy in that year, 78. And, uh, oh, we had the uh, Ronald Reagan going on. So I can't wait to hear about that. That that That's uh, an interesting, that's a good teaser. So everybody, you want to listen to Charles Cologne, go ahead and get our free app called vmpr.org and download it and listen to that. Charles, I'm getting people kind of texting me, writing me right now about questions and saying that, hey, Charles, you mentioned uh, the set of Acontis people who say there is no pope. And he said, well, if that was true, there would be no priest today because that many years have gone on. I think it's about 19, what, 58 to here it is, 2023. I would think there wouldn't be too many priests hanging around in the world today. How do you answer people who say this? Because we get people all the time, well, the pope isn't the pope. There is no pope. What's your answer to that, my friend, in a historical answer? Well, number one, the problem is... Uh, as a result, in my humble opinion, uh, after the definition of papal infallibility, yeah, in 1870, and given a, and in 1870, and given a string of really extraordinary popes, people began to look at the pope as a sort of oracle at Delphi, yep. and completely forgot that they're a product of their times and their backgrounds, the yep. same the way the rest of us are. That's right. And so, as a result, the um, how do I put this nicely? <laughs> Let's just say expectations were uh, aroused beyond necessarily what the office could always bear. I get that. Because, as I've said, historically speaking, we know that from time to time, thankfully not that often, there have been evil popes, flat out, straight out evil. I mean, there's nothing you can say about a Julius III and his string of boyfriends. Wow. I'm sorry. There's nothing to be done about that. Wow. There's nothing you could say about John Twelfth trying to sell the uh, papacy three times and pocketing the money. Wow. And uh, being uh, mortally wounded by his mistress's husband and dying in her arms. I guess wow. it's kind of romantic. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, there's not a lot you can say about that. And people will often say, but wait a minute. They didn't try to mess around with doctrine. Uh, it's not that simple. As we saw in the case of Stephen VI and, uh, and Pope uh, Formosus, Stephen VI, although he was not, a, um, he was not trying to define infallibly, in his role as Pope, he made a judgment that was in itself not simply erroneous, mm-hmm. but in and of itself heretical. Yeah. Now, if I were to take the um, if I were to take the state of a contest approach, yes, I would have to say that Stephen the Sixth had ceased to be pope, right? But see, the problem is, no one has denied that he was the valid pope, mm-hmm. even the people who opposed him. And so, where does that leave us? It means the papacy ended in the eight hundreds. But where does that put Christ? Well, makes him a liar. Him, I'm sorry. Makes him a liar. Yeah. Now, mind you, I understand the state of Acanthus position. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're terribly evil people. I know friends of mine that are. I have yeah. relationships with friends like that. Yeah, I have some of the best people I know. Uh, one of the one of the the ones with the best sense of humor I ever knew was uh, Red Red Gibson Hutton Gibson. Oh, okay. He had a very funny sense of humor. And about a year or two after Pope Francis came in, yeah, 
I said to him, you know, you said if accountants, you're pretty clever, pretty clever move. You really ran it around all end game around us all. Because what are you talking about? I had no idea you guys were so influential. I had no idea. What an amazing triumph of yours. He says, what are you talking about? I said, getting one of your own elected pope. <laughs> now, that was just amazing. He didn't know what I'll to say what. when you told him that. What? Oh, he, he roared. He roared. He absolutely <laughs> roared. But he was a great guy. Charles, let me just end on this note. Because Father's Day is coming up in a week, yeah. you have a special father I've heard nothing over the 40 years you've talked about your dad and how he helped you keep your faith even among times of confusion as a child. Can you give us one good story about your dad that we can leave on? Because I, I think that your dad was instrumental in why you're still a Catholic today. That's very true. Uh, well, all right, I'll give you a story. Our, um, our parish, when we first came out to California, was Blessed Sacrament, I know Hollywood. That. Yep, know it well. And yeah, Jesuits. And it, we didn't know it at the time, but it was at the forefront of insanity. That's true. And you never knew what you get. Now, mind you, there was some really good old Jesuits. Uh -huh. And then there were others who were just crazier and loons. Uh, the joke in those days was one of the only two things that will never change at a Jesuit mass. The answer was the bread and the wine. Oh, but the, at any rate. I heard that one. So. My dad and I are walking past the alley and back of the rectory, uh -huh. and it's filled with scotch bottles and things like that. Yeah. Lots and lots of them. And he says, all right, son, now have a look at this. Do you know how you can tell whether or not this is a scandal? I said, I don't know, Dad, how? It was very simple. Father's sermon tomorrow. He said, if it's a good, strong, orthodox sermon, well, it's good that the nice Ryan has a, a, a nip now and then. That's, that's, that's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fine. But on the other hand, if it's a terrible heterodox sermon filled with nonsense, well, then he's a lousy old drunk. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he used to say that there's no greater act of humility than to go to confession to a priest whom you despise. That's a good point. And that, uh, because he said, you've got to bear in mind that men are men, yeah. but the faith is true. Amen. And everything else, you know, he had another one line of his, which I've never forgotten, and I often tell it to young people, sure. was everyone you ever meet or you ever know will betray or at least gravely disappoint you at some point. Yes. Your only consolation is that at some point you will betray or at least gravely disappoint every person you know. It's true. That's how it works. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well said. Now, let me ask you this. Um, when things were getting really crazy as a youngster in school, didn't your father stand up and, and encourage you to speak up or, you know, to the sisters? He, he sure did. Um, one of the things about my father was that he would take our school books, yeah. and this was all through from first grade to high school, okay. and he'd go through them. God bless him. And if he found something he considered to be an error, yeah. he would tell us and tell us why. Mm -hmm. And if he didn't know why, and you know, it seemed odd, but he didn't, wasn't sure, he'd find out. Sure. And he never expected us to uh, take it just because he said so. Got it. He would always give us a reason for it. Interesting. And he used to say, you know, if you let a heresy go by, uh, you might as well say it yourself. Boy, that's a strong statement. And that, well, and that led us, I can tell you, into some amusing, uh, I bet it did. amusing adventures. Yeah. 
But, uh, you know, he stood by us. Yeah. But it, we were taught, my brother and I, by the Immaculate Heart Nuns mm -hmm. at Blessed Sacrament in 1968 when they went cray-cray. Yeah. And uh, when we had a, uh, we had, each of us had to go through a sort of plebiscite in the classroom. Mm -hmm where they'd call your name and you had to stand up and say yes or no. Yes. No mind. They've already dropped their habits. So yeah. we knew this was like a show trial. Yeah. So uh, you'd say yes or no. Yes. If you agreed, no, if you didn't. Well, in my second grade class, everybody said, yes, yes, yes. Then sister said, Coulomb. I stood up and I said, no. Oh and she God. said, well, Mr. Coulomb, won't you come up to the front of the class and explain to us all why you disagree? And I'm walking up there, mad as mad could be, because oh I knew I was being used. Yeah. I had to make a fool of myself. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I got up, and I looked at the class, and I looked at her, and I said, well, sister, a soldier has his uniform, a priest has his cassock, and a nun has her habit. And if she doesn't want to wear it, she shouldn't be a nun. Wow. You were in second grade, and you said that? I, I was, and I did. That's awesome. And it... Uh, and after that, yeah. she said she couldn't do anything because I wasn't disrespectful. No, you just. So she said, "No, I just." So she said, "Sit down." I bet she said, after, "Sit down." She did, but after me, everybody voted no. Yeah. So we were because I, you know, I wasn't eaten alive. Yeah. Well, the same thing happened with my brother in the eighth grade. Yeah. And his hang answer on, Charles, was, "Hang on, I'm going to tease everybody. You tell that story on your next show." Uh, here at VMPR, and that's a teaser for everybody to listen to because those are stories that should inspire you not to have sins of omission. In other words, uh, things you should have said that you didn't say. Stand up for Jesus moment. That's what we have right now. Charles Cologne, thanks for joining us here on the Terry and Jesse Show. And Charles, remember, if you were Jesse, I'd say, Jesse, what state should we be living in? And Jess Romero would say, the state of grace, Terry. And I'd say, yes, you're absolutely right. And I would say, remember Our Lady of Fatima, said that souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. And that's what we can do. Whether you're four years old or 104, we can participate in the salvific work of Jesus Christ by offering every action to Jesus Christ. I encourage you to do that, and I encourage myself to do it. And I want to thank everyone for supporting us here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. May God richly bless you and your family. And tune in to Charles Cologne's show called The Never-Ending Struggle here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. God bless you.